<laughs> Some trouble happening there. <laughs> Sometimes it's just good to not be a kid anymore. Other times you just want to go back to your childhood. <laughs> it's, uh, we're finicky that way. That's one of those times where it's like, don't want to be you. Mark chapter 2, and we'll ask the Lord to uh, calm our minds, calm our spirit, calm uh, the auditorium, and just so the Word of God and the Spirit of God can have free course. Amen. Mark chapter 2. Let's begin in verse 1. I'm going to read down through verse 12 for our text this morning. The Bible says, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. I love that statement. There were people gathered all around and what did Jesus do? He preached the word unto them. I'm thinking about, by the way, just as a side note, um, I'm thinking about the potential of having a conference in August where we normally have our missions conference time, um, but have a conference that celebrates the 40th anniversary of the church uh, this year and, and making it a preacher's conference, maybe a mix of a preacher's conference, missions conference, all the above. And I was just thinking about and praying about all of that, and this, this came to my mind that maybe the theme uh, of it would be uh, preach the word unto them. Um, just a side note, something to pray about and consider. I'm still seeking the Lord on it. Uh, back to our text. Verse 3, And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press... They uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But, when, but there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed and walk. And take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. I want to talk to you this morning about persistent faith. And persistent faith is what wins. That's what we're going to talk about. And the text starts out saying that it was noised abroad that Jesus was in the house. Um, let's just think about that for a second. We'll not spend a lot of time on it. But the thought, uh, I don't know, that captures me because the Bible doesn't say whose house it was. We know that he was in Capernaum. We know that the, that the word spread that Jesus was going to be there. 
And then the Bible tells us that that a multitude of people gathered together. In verse 2, straightway, many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much about the door. And he preached the word unto them. So you can imagine the scene. Whoever's house this is, uh, you know, they are familiar with Jesus. Jesus comes to the house. People go and spread the word. Jesus is here. Jesus is going to be at that place in that house. And everybody comes to the same place to see Jesus. The house was filled. There was no room in the house. Even outside of the door of the house, it was packed full of people. Maybe the windows were all open. People wanted to see and hear Jesus. And the Bible says that he preached the word unto them. What a thought. I wonder how many we'd have in church on Sunday if Jesus Christ were physically here and it was noised abroad in the community that Jesus is going to be at Plaque Road Baptist Church today. I wonder how many Pharisees and scribes we would get to show up. Because <laughs> Jesus is here. How many people would show up at the house if Jesus was literally going to be here? Well, let me just, that's a wonderful thought, but let me just say this. If you're saved and you know the Lord, Jesus Christ lives in the heart. Your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. The Lord Jesus Christ resides there. And whether in the house or in the heart, the Lord's presence cannot and should not ever be hid. Amen? If you're a born-again Christian, the presence of God in your life should be made known abroad. And wherever... His saving and healing power is present. It should be made known. It should and will uh, garnish or gather or draw attention. And that's the way it should be. And if He lives in the heart, listen, what the point is and the, the application is, there should be something about you that others can see that makes them know you belong to Christ. Let that thought sink in for a minute. There should be something about you that others can see that makes them know that you belong to Jesus Christ. How's your testimony? How's your life present before those in the world? Do they know that you're a believer? Do they know that you belong to Jesus Christ? Well, in this passage, what we're actually going to look at this morning, that was just some side thoughts, but what we're going to look at this morning is the faith that is presented here and how this miracle of healing of the man who was sick of the palsy was related to the fact that there were other people who had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and how their life and their faith was, was, was so critical in this man coming to a place of healing and a place of his sins being forgiven. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Let's ask the Lord to bless his word. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd use your word in our lives today to challenge us and grow us. Lord, to uh, correct our thinking. Lord, to encourage where it needs to be encouraged. Lord, just, I don't know what is in the hearts of men, but Lord, I know that your word is sufficient uh, to meet those needs. And so, Lord, I pray that we would uh, be uh, 
full of attention to the Word of God today, that the heart would be open, receptive, and ready. And Lord, that through Your Spirit and through Your Word, that You'd accomplish Your will. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing that I want to draw your attention to is in verse 3. And the first thing is, is we see a, 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 some human helplessness here. Verse 3 says, They came unto Him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born or carried of four. And so we find some human helplessness here. The Bible says that this man was sick of the palsy. And we need to understand a little bit about that. Um, basically, what that was, it was a, a, an illness, a disease, a sickness that, that deprived him of his ability to, to function, to have power. Um, the palsy was a disease of the muscles. It, it, it sort of was like paralysis in some ways, but really it deprived the individual who had this disease, it deprived them of, of their strength. It was almost like a person who's a paraplegic. That's kind of the idea behind here. The man was completely helpless to move himself, which is why he was carried of four different people. His palsy deprived him of the ability to act. That's why he had to be carried. And I say that because it illustrates something for us spiritually. It illustrates for us mankind in our natural sinful state. Just like this man who was sick of the palsy, we, spiritually speaking, we are unable to act. We are unable to move. Listen, it's the reason why uh, somebody uh, who, uh, who, who is unsaved, uh, it's why they, they, sometimes they can sit through preaching, they can hear the Word of God, and they don't move in their soul. Nothing moves them spiritually because they're, they're spiritually unable to. They're sick. And basically what I'm saying is they're insensible of their spiritual condition. They're insensible of the exceeding sinfulness of their sin in their heart. They're insensible of the danger that they are in. Their eyes are blinded, the Bible says. The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. And if their eyes were opened, if they could see and understand, there's, there, listen, if we could understand it spiritually, we would not stay still. We would run for cover. We would run for safety from the Lord. This man is an emblem of mankind in his natural state. He doesn't understand the necessity of the new birth in his life. He doesn't understand the need of salvation by Jesus Christ. He doesn't understand how destitute he is spiritually. He doesn't understand the danger that his soul is in. He doesn't have any spiritual motion to come to Christ for life and salvation. He doesn't have any spiritual strength or activity to even move to perform the thing that is spiritually good. We're dead in our sins, the Bible says. And you know what? I think sitting across this room today, there's many born-again believers. But we all have family, or friends who are in this spiritual condition. 
And maybe there are times when we get frustrated because we've tried to witness to them. Maybe there are times when we're perplexed and it's like, we just don't, we don't get it. We don't, we don't understand. Why don't you see this? Your need of Jesus Christ. Well, the truth is, our natural condition as sinful people puts us in a place where we don't have the strength ourselves to move spiritually. Romans chapter 3 and verse 10 describes mankind in his natural state. In Romans 3, in verse 10, the Bible says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, There is none that seeketh after God. Not in our natural state. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. It means they're useless. They're rendered useless. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. That's what we are in our natural state. That's what mankind is. And the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ should shine in unto them. Romans chapter 5 in verse 6. Look at that verse with me, please. Romans 5 in verse 6. The Bible says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. We have no spiritual strength of our own. And the Bible tells us that nobody seeks after God themselves. The Bible tells us that no man can come to the Father except the Father draw him. And then the question is, okay, but it is the will of God for man to come to the Father. You can't come unless he draws you, but how does he do that? How does God draw people to himself, especially when they have no strength of their own? Often it's through other people who've already received the great grace of God. That leads us to the very next point in our text. So go back to Mark chapter 2, please. So we see this human helplessness here. He was unable himself to come to Jesus. It was noise that Jesus was in the house. Multitudes were there. He was unable himself to come to Jesus, and we find in verses 3 through 5, the second thing that we find is brotherly compassion. In verse 3, the Bible says, And they come to him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. So these people came to Jesus. They brought with them this man who couldn't do it for himself. They carried him to the Lord. And the Bible says in verse 4, And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press... They uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. I love that statement when the Bible says when Jesus saw their faith. See their faith here for a minute. How can you see their faith? By this passage, how do we see their faith? You know what? It doesn't matter whether we're looking in this passage or whether we're talking about somebody in their life. You can only see faith in the action that it produces. 
You can say words, I have faith, but faith is demonstrated in the action that it produces. The Bible says they brought him to Jesus. Why did they bring him to Jesus? Because they believed that Jesus could make the difference. They believed that Jesus had and was willing to give what this poor, unable-to-help-himself man needed. They carried him. They brought this one who could feel nothing himself. They brought him into the presence of the Son of God. They did their part believingly, and their faith was rewarded. You see that? We see their faith, but also see their courage. Verse 4 tells us, When they could not come nigh unto him for the press... They uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. You know, their faith produced action on their part. Look what they were willing to do in order to bring this man to Jesus Christ. It wasn't their house. It wasn't their home. They brought him up to the roof because they couldn't go through the door because of all the people. They tore somebody else's roof apart to let him down to Jesus. I think what we see here is the fact that they really believed that Jesus could make the difference. And it caused them to do something that might have been a little unconventional. They really believed. And they were willing to do whatever it took to bring this man to Christ. But what if they said, well, sorry, man. There's nothing we can do. We tried. But there's too many people. We just can't get you there. Sorry, you're just going to have to stay the way you are. What if they said that? What I'm saying is sometimes faith is a bit unconventional. Sometimes faith requires the unexpected. But it's real faith that produces real action. And it's real faith that gets God's attention. Did you know that? It's real faith that God rewards. And what I'm saying here, because we see some brotherly compassion, they loved this man and their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, caused them to do whatever they needed to do to get this one that they loved in front of the Lord. We need to have that same kind of compassion. And sometimes it means that we need to get into people's lives for the purpose of bringing them to Jesus Christ. Did you know that the Lord will honor and reward faith? And sometimes we get, you know, we, we might have this burden for somebody. They need to be saved. And, and we just, we pray for them. And we pray, God, you got to do something to get a hold of their heart. And that is good. But are we seeking for more opportunities than just praying for them? Are we seeking to bring them before the Lord? Does, you understand what I'm saying here? We need to be willing to get into people's lives more, listen, more than just a Bible lesson on a piece of paper. 
It's, we need to do Bible studies. We absolutely need to do Bible studies. But, you know, there's a lot of times when people, people don't want to be bothered with other people's issues. I don't have the time. I don't want to be bothered with this person's issue. I don't want to have to walk through whatever it's going to require me to walk through to bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a Bible study. Why don't you do that? Nothing wrong with Bible studies. Nothing wrong with lessons on paper. There's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, where's the heart of compassion and the heart of love for the soul that causes me to be willing to do whatever I need to do to get them before the Lord Jesus Christ? Why is it that that's not a regular thing? Maybe it's because too many don't want to be bothered with other people's issues. They don't want to do what is necessary because it would require sacrifice. It would require time. It would require patience. And it would require giving of myself. There's a lot in the work of the Lord that requires sacrifice and requires giving of self. There's a lot in order to bring someone to Christ that might require some time. You know what, friend, I'm willing, I'm willing to come help you with the, the issue of your life. I'm willing to spend time giving good in Bible instruction. I'm willing to you know, to help on a project. I'm willing to do whatever I need to do to show the love of Christ because I'm burdened for your soul. But I don't want to be bothered with those things. I don't want to be bothered with someone's emotional issues. I don't want to be bothered with their physical issues. I don't have the time nor the patience for that. And, 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 and that's what keeps people from giving of themselves to bring somebody to Jesus Christ. What if these people said that? We don't have the time, friend. We love you. But I don't want to be bothered with your situation. Man, they were willing to do the unconventional. They got up on top of somebody's house. They took somebody else's roof apart in order to get this man before Jesus Christ. I would suspect that they probably fixed it later on. <laughs> Perfectly, they did. Let me ask you this. You might have loved ones who are not saved. Don't quit praying for them. But don't quit ministering to them either. Don't quit. Claim God's promises that He's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance and that God wants to draw this person to himself and I'm willing, I believe God will do that. And I'm going to do all I can to bring them before the Lord. Be not weary in well-doing. Claim those promises, but let me ask you this. Do you really have the faith that God can and will save their soul? And like these men, our faith is demonstrated by our actions. And it should be an encouragement to us.
those that we love and that we're concerned about, it should be an encouragement to us to seek for more opportunity than just praying for them. And you know what we, you know what we need? We need to be filled with God's love ourselves first. We need to give ourselves to the Lord first and be filled with God's love first because then what comes out of us will be God's love toward them. The friends of this man, they took him and they brought him to Jesus Christ. They laid him down before him. They did that believing that he might receive what he needed from Jesus Christ. And it appears that this man didn't even ask them to do it. They knew what he needed. They knew the one who could fix it, and they brought him to the Lord. The truth is, people won't come to Christ on their own. He wants to draw them, but often he uses his people to open up the way that he might begin to draw them to himself. Their faith was rewarded because we see in the very next verses the divine power of Jesus Christ. Notice in verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, got his attention. It got the Lord's attention. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk? but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Here we see the divine power of Jesus Christ. Verse 5 tells us he has divine power to forgive. Jesus said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Isn't it interesting that they brought him because he was sick of the palsy? He needed a miracle of healing for his physical body. But that's not what Jesus said, is it? That's not what he said. He said, Your sins are forgiven you. Instead, and it was spoken when he saw their faith. That's the first thing that Jesus said, was your sins be forgiven you when he saw their faith. But not only did he have power to forgive, the Bible tells us he had power to heal. And notice what Jesus says in verse 9. He says, whether is it easier? In other words, what's, what he's saying is to the Pharisees, what's easier? Is it easier to... Say, your sins are forgiven you? Or is it easier to say, take up your bed and walk? Well, <laughs> both of those things are easy to say, but both are equally impossible to do, unless, of course, you're God. Yeah. 
right? And that's the point that he's making. He's like, to the Pharisees, which one's easier, to say your sins are forgiven you or to say that you're, to, to rise up, take your bed and walk? Well, those are easy things to say, but they're equally impossible to do. But they're not impossible for me because I'm God. That's the point he was saying, to, making to them. Because they said, who can forgive sins except God only? Well, who can heal somebody of their lameness except for God? That's what he's saying. He's claiming to be the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that case, one was just as easy as the other. Because what Jesus does here is something that no mortal man can do in either case. He forgives sins. You know, there's no person, there's no priest, there's no pastor, there's no denomination that can do that for you. Forgive your sins. There's only one who can, and it's God. The healing of this man's body was a great miracle. But you know what? That wouldn't last. Eventually, his body would give out and he would die. But the forgiveness of sins, that's God's greatest miracle. And it's something that lasts forever and accomplishes the, the greatest good, amen, for, for the soul in eternity. And the application is simple. Listen, when Jesus Christ comes into a person's life, his, his goal is not to do some patchwork job on your life. His goal is to make you brand new. Amen? Body, soul, and spirit. His goal is to completely transform you. He doesn't cleanse us from the pollution of our body and of this world without the deliverance also that comes from the power of sin. What I'm saying here is, in Christ, we not only have the forgiveness of the past, of all of our sin, but we also have the renewing of the Holy Ghost because we're made new creatures in Christ Jesus. And that's what transforms a life. Spiritual healing is of much more value than physical healing. But when Jesus heals a person, when He heals their soul and their spirit in salvation, it doesn't just stop there. He gives power over sin. He changes a person's life. He gives the ability and the healing over other things too. You know what I'm talking about? When Jesus Christ truly saves a soul, there's also a healing of bitterness. Hatred, lust, anger, gossip, and all other kinds of sins of the flesh. He makes us a brand new person. So not only did Jesus say, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Then the Bible says, He said, Take up thy bed and walk. And the Bible says immediately He was transformed into something different. And He got up. And he walked before them all. And the Bible says they were all amazed and they were all glorifying God at the change in this man because they had never seen it on this fashion. You know what? If a person comes to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, their life ought to reflect the same kind of thing. A transformation. Something brand new. We knew what this guy was. He was a 
a, a paraplegic. He had no strength. He could not walk. All of a sudden now he's walking. He's a different person. And his sins are forgiven. And wow! What just happened in this guy's life? That ought to be the same thing, the same kind of testimony of somebody who comes to know the Lord. Man, you are a different person! Amen. Amen. And every time, every time, it ought to make us say, wow. God doesn't just do a patchwork job in someone's life. He completely transforms a life. And our lives ought to reflect that same great change. But all of this happened because the Bible says Jesus saw their faith. What a challenge for us. Amen. We've received the gift of salvation. We've received this new life from above We've been born again by the Spirit of God and been transformed. And God wants to use us to bring that same message of life into other people's lives. I'll close with just a quick thought and a question. You might be here this morning... You are here this morning. But let me ask you the question, has Jesus Christ ever said to you, your sins are forgiven? That's what he said to this man. Has he said that to you? There's a story about a little boy who disobeyed his mother and he knew, he'd, he, knew he had done bad. And he knew that he was in big trouble he was ashamed of himself, but he hadn't brought himself to come to his mother yet. So what he did was he got out his little slate chalkboard and he wrote some words on the board and he was going to leave it for his mother to see. And he said, Mom, I'm sorry. I was so bad. I did wrong. Would you please forgive me? And if you forgive me, would you please just wipe this out? Well, the next day, he got up and he walked by his chalkboard that he left for his mother to see. And as he walked by, he saw that the slate was all clean. What a great illustration for us of what the Lord Jesus Christ does with this old sinful life. When we repent, say, Lord, I'm sorry. I agree with you about my sin. My slate is all black. And God comes along and He washes it all away. All the guilt of my past, it's gone. It's removed. All the stain of sin, it's gone. It's removed. He clothes me in the righteousness of His Son. I'm brand new. Made a new creation in Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ 
will do that with the soul for those who come to him in repentance and faith. Praise the Lord. So we've got two applications this morning. Number one, are your sins forgiven? Are they gone? Are they under the blood? If you're not saved, you need to be. But number two, God wants to use your life to bring others to him. Maybe you're one here who you say you have a concern for souls, but it never goes beyond just praying a prayer for their soul. There's never a heart that says, I'm willing to sacrifice of my time and of myself in order to bring somebody to Jesus Christ. These people in this text did. They even did the unconventional thing because they were so convinced that Jesus Christ had the answer. God wants to use our life in a greater way to bring people to Him. But you know what? We've got to be willing. And when Jesus saw their faith, He said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. What a critical part they played in this man's salvation. The Lord wants to do the same in our heart. Is that how you live? Is that how you feel and believe and think and your mind and your heart? Let the Lord use His Word today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that You would impress upon our hearts, Lord, how critical it is to have a heart that is willing to be used of God. I'm so impressed by the thought of how much these people loved this man. How much compassion they had for him. He could never bring himself. But they were so convinced and they believed that Jesus was the answer for him that it produced action in their, on their part. Even to do the unconventional, just to get him before the Lord. What a, what a great testimony of faith that they had in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that we would seek to be those kinds of friends, those kinds of people with compassion for the souls of men that we're willing to give of ourselves beyond a prayer or beyond a Bible study with a, on a piece of paper. Here, do this and come see me again. But Lord, to be willing to walk alongside, to come alongside, to get into people's lives, to show the love of Jesus Christ, to be filled with God's love ourselves so that what comes out of us is the love of God for other people. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to get past ourselves in our own lives, in what is convenient and not convenient. It was surely not convenient for these people, but they were willing to do whatever they needed to do to get him before the Lord. And Lord, may that be a challenge for us. And we have friends, and we have loved ones, and we have co-workers, and we have people all around that are in our sphere of influence that need us 
to have the same kind of faith. Faith that produces action. To begin to open the heart that the Spirit of God would begin to draw them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, I do pray this morning for those who are here who are not saved. May they see their sinful condition. May their eyes be opened. May they not be insensible to the danger that they are in. May they flee to Christ for salvation. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.